0: Citizen of the desert, and angel in the body. You're listening to sermons from St. Macarios the Great, Orthodox Mission in Hyde Park. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to begin this morning with a quotation from the 11th Conference of St. John Cassian, entitled, On Perfection. St. John's conferences, if you do not know, detail discussions that the great saint had with the monks of the Egyptian desert. And this is what one of the desert fathers told St. John. Scripture summons our free will To different degrees of perfection, and this in proportion to the condition and the measure of the individual soul. The scriptures call us to different degrees of perfection. Now, this does not mean that there is one perfection for you and another perfection for me. Rather, this means that there are stages on the path to perfection. And the scriptures, says this great desert father, speak to people at different stages along the way. This is not an idea that we often think about when we read Holy Scripture. Often we think and read everything as though it were written at the same level or speaks in the same way. But no, as St. John Cashin records, there are different degrees or levels of perfection. We might call these in our modern parlance different levels of awareness or even different degrees of consciousness. The scriptures speak to us sometimes at one level of consciousness, sometimes at a higher level, and sometimes a higher level still. And one of the things about Jesus was that he was a great wisdom teacher. And a characteristic of great wisdom teachers is the ability to speak at all these different levels and through them to call people to a higher level. So Jesus, as a teacher of wisdom, presents us a path towards perfection. He presents this path towards perfection and calls each and every one of us to ascend higher. And that path towards perfection can be seen in our Lord's parable this morning. And I want to try to unpack how. We know the parable well. We hear it every year on this Sunday of the Last Judgment, the parable of the sheep and the goats. It's a parable that on its surface is built around two rather dualistic ideas. At the judgment seat of God, all the nations, we are told, will be assembled and God will separate The sheep from the goats. He will grant to the sheep a heavenly reward and to the goats a hellish punishment. This is a story that, on first glance, is aimed right at our lower levels of consciousness. And we can see this in two ways. First of all, Jesus aims this story at our very dualistic minds. We can most easily see this very natural dualistic impulse in our children. For my kids, for instance, everyone is either a good guy or a bad guy. I can't tell you how many times my sons will ask me about a specific Star Wars character or... Superhero or something they've seen on TV and say, Is he a good guy or a bad guy? That either or way of thinking is so deeply rooted in our early development and awareness. Secondly, Jesus aims this parable at a lower level of consciousness when it comes to motivation and discipline. We can illustrate this second aspect of the parable in the way that we often motivate and discipline our children. There are two general approaches that parents often turn to. We euphemistically call these the carrot or the stick. Reward or punishment. If you obey, you will be rewarded. If you disobey, you will be punished. And we can see both of these ideas Operating in this parable this morning, the sheep are separated and rewarded, the good ones. The goats are separated and punished, the bad ones. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm disparaging this parable because I say it is aimed at our lower levels of consciousness. Remember what I said, Jesus is a wisdom teacher who is calling us by this parable to a higher level of consciousness. Jesus is calling us through this parable to mature, to grow up, to seek a higher perfection. And to prove that this is not just my idea, I want to quote again from St. John Cashin's Conferences on perfection this is what that same desert father said quote three things keep men from giving themselves over to sin there is the fear either of hell or of earthly law there is the hope and the desire for the kingdom of heaven or there is the attraction of good itself and the love of virtue. And the Desert Father goes on, he says, quote, If anyone has a wish for perfection, he will start off from that first step of fear, which we describe as appropriate to a servant. He will rise up progressively to the higher path of hope, which is made ready not for the servant, but for the hired hand, since such a one expects to be rewarded. But it has not yet reached the feeling of being a son, who trusts in the abundant generosity of his father, and who has no doubt that everything belonging to the father is also his." End quote. So this great desert monastic details these stages of perfection through the parable of the prodigal son, which we heard last week. When the younger son is in the foreign country, he comes to his senses because of fear. He fears his hunger and his destitute life, and this motivates him to return to the father's house. And then, on the way, he is motivated by thought of reward. He hopes to enter the father's house as a hired hand and to receive a reward. But finally, as we saw last week, when that younger son arrives home, the father tells him through his actions and his words that he is his beloved child. That love is the perfection we're speaking about. So to return to St. John Cassian, quote, There are stages on a way of progress causing us at the beginning to avoid sin out of fear of punishment or out of hope for reward. Then we can move on to the stage of love. End quote. Our Lord in the parable this morning is speaking first and foremost to us at the level of the servant or the hired hand. The basic motivation is aimed at avoiding punishment or gaining reward of being among the sheep and not the goats. But if we look deeper, our Lord's parable is also aimed to motivate us, to change our hearts, to change our minds. The parable is aimed at repentance, metanoia, or maybe we could say an elevation of our mind, to go beyond our mind, meta. While this parable starts out in a very dualistic manner, at its heart is the question of love. The judgment that is pictured is based on concrete acts of love. Those who fed the hungry, gave drink to the thirsty, welcomed the stranger, clothed the naked, cared for the sick, visited the imprisoned. Inasmuch as the sheep did to the least of the brothers and sisters of Christ, they did it to him. Yet if we pay careful attention, we note that they did not even know what they were doing. Those who are called blessed acted out of love, without thought of reward or punishment. They say, Lord, when did we see you like this? When did we see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, or imprisoned? They didn't go around looking for what our culture calls brownie points. They didn't seek fame or publicity. They didn't respond because of fear of judgment. They responded solely because of love. And what they learned was that their pure act of love was offered not only to the individual in need, and what they learned was that their pure act of love was offered not only to the individual in need, but also to the author of love. Their love was perfect because the love of God overflowed from their hearts to those they saw in need. Love for those individuals who were in need was an end in itself. And because of this loving encounter with the poor, they met and saw God. So Christ does not, I repeat, Christ does not Call us, ultimately, to a spirit of fear or to a thought of reward. But rather, Christ is calling us to the joy and the freedom of love. The same freedom enjoyed by God. Consider how the first epistle of St. John puts the matter. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. And so one who fears is not yet perfect in love. But we love because Christ first loved us. So I want you to imagine how freeing that is. Can you picture it? How freeing it is to act not from fear, to act not from a mercenary mentality, but to act purely for the goodness and the beauty of the love that Christ has poured out in our hearts. That is the freedom that Great Lent is offering us. To strip back our lives of those unnecessary things that blind us to love. To strip them back and to refocus our lives around that freedom. So to return a final time to their words recorded by St. John Cashin. Quote, if with God's help, and without a presumptuous reliance on our own efforts, someone comes to win this condition, he will pass over to the status of an adopted son. He will leave behind servility with its fear. He will leave aside the mercenary hope of reward, a hope which seeks a reward and not the goodness of the giver. And there will be no more fear, no more desiring. Instead, there will be forever the love which never fails. Instead, there will be forever the love which never fails. This morning, let us lay aside all our earthly cares, and bask in the freedom of the sons and daughters of God, in the love of Christ, which never fails. Amen.